Several years ago, Danny Dutton, who was an eight-year-old, decided to answer the question that many people have asked, but so many more have struggled to find an answer to. The question is quite simple. Who is God? This was Danny's response. One of God's main jobs is making people. He makes them to replace the ones that die so that there will be just enough people to take care of things here on earth. He doesn't make grown-ups, just babies. I think that's because they're smaller and easier to make. That way he doesn't have to take up his valuable time teaching them how to talk and how to walk. He can leave that up to the moms and dads. God's second most important job is listening to prayers. And an awful lot of time goes on doing this since some people, like preachers and things, pray at times besides bedtime. God doesn't have time to listen to the radio or TV because of this. God sees everything and hears everything and is everywhere, which keeps Him pretty busy. So you shouldn't go wasting His time going over your mom and dad's head asking for something that you couldn't have. Atheists are people who don't believe in God. I don't think there are any in my town. At least there aren't any who go to my church. Jesus is God's Son. He used to do all the hard work like walking on water and performing miracles and people finally got tired of Him preaching to them and they crucified Him. But He was good and kind like His Father and He told His Father that they didn't know what they were doing and to forgive them. And God said, okay. His dad, God, appreciated everything that He had done and all His hard work on earth. So He told them that He didn't have to go on the road anymore. He could stay in heaven. And so He did. And now He helps His dad out by listening to prayers and seeing things which are important for God to take care of and which ones that He can take care of for Himself without having to bother God. Kind of like a secretary, but way more important. You can pray anytime you want, and they are sure to help you because they've got it worked out, so one of them is always on duty all the time. You should always go to church on Sunday because it makes God happy. And if there's anybody you want to make happy, it's God. Don't skip church to do something you think will be more fun like going to the beach. This is wrong. And besides, the sun doesn't come out at the beach until noon anyway. <laughs> if you don't believe in God besides being an atheist, you will be very lonely because your parents can't go everywhere with you like to camp. But God can. It is good to know He's around you when you're scared in the dark or when you can't swim and you get thrown into real deep water by big kids. But you shouldn't always think of what God can do for you. I figure God put me here and He can take me back any time He pleases. And that's why I believe in God. Danny Dutton, 8 years old, from Chula Vista, California. Okay, so Danny gives us a pretty good idea from the perspective of a child. What, what do children think of God? But this morning what I want to ask is, what does God think of children? What do you think the Almighty God would think of when He thinks of little kids? Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. Oh, be careful little ears what you hear. 
Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Maybe God is so busy taking care of the world that maybe, maybe He doesn't have time to be bothered with little kids. Two young children were overheard talking one time about the problem of being raised as little kids. And one of them complained, said, from the very beginning, my mom and dad tried to teach me to talk and how to walk. And as soon as I did, they looked at me and said, sit down and shut up. (laughs) And so I'm curious, what does God think of little children? Why did He leave the raising up to mom and dad? Why did He provide us with babies? And are they just a nuisance? Are toddlers too bothersome? Do they nag? Do they cry too much? Maybe when they get bigger and older, He would really value them more. Well, let's just go back and see in Mark chapter 10, what did God think about children. If you want to get a glimpse of who God is, if you want to know how God acts, how God treats the lowly and the outcast, look no further than His Son, Jesus. In Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 13, we read this, People were bringing little children to Jesus to have Him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, He was... Stop. I don't want to get to that word yet. Because some people might have a different idea of what that word might say. Some people might think that Jesus would be relieved. Jesus would be grateful. I'm really busy, guys. Thank you for taking care of that for me. But before we even address the issue of why, how Jesus is going to respond to those kids, I want to back up before that. Even before the disciples step in, I want to back up to the very beginning of this story that says that people were bringing their children to Jesus. Why were they doing this? Is that normal? Is that something that you would do? Did they find that it was appropriate to come to Him and say, here, I'm bringing my child here in front of you. I want you to to touch my child. What, What exactly did this mean? What does it mean to us now? But even more importantly, what did it mean back then? Why would they do this? Well, this is something that actually was quite common back during Jesus' time. That if there was a well-known rabbi, that people, parents, would bring their children to the rabbi so the rabbi might bless them. And so the parents had an idea that maybe the disciples didn't. The parents believed that Jesus cared for the little kids. Maybe they were just a bother to the disciples. Maybe they were something that was going to get in the way. But the parents somewhere got the idea that Jesus loves the little children even before they heard the song. 
You know, people always say, what, how did Jesus respond to children? And we don't really have a whole lot in the Gospels about interaction. This is one of the very few passages we have about Jesus other than the times that He would heal them. But my thought is this. If Jesus didn't really love the children, would parents be bringing their kids to see Jesus? And would we have another account of little kids running up to Jesus? Jesus showed compassion and He showed love. And He didn't see them as a nuisance. But His followers did. And so I want to ask the question, why would they do what they did? Why would they automatically assume that being a disciple of Jesus also meant that they would be the bouncer? That they would say, you're not welcome here. You're too sick, or you're too old, or you're too young. You're not important. You're not one who's going to benefit the kingdom right now. Maybe when you're older. Somewhere they got the idea that the kids weren't important enough to take Jesus' time. And so I don't know how they did it, but it seems as though they said, just, just get go away. Jesus is too important for you. And to look at a parent and say, Jesus is too important for your child. He's too busy. You need to leave. Had to be heartbreaking for those parents. But Jesus was busy. He had a lot of things He had to do. He did a lot of things. John would close out his Gospel saying that Jesus did so many other things that if we were to write about all of them, there would be not enough, there wouldn't be enough room in the world to hold the books about what Jesus did. I mean, you talk about having a full schedule. And even then, He found time to pull away and spend time with His Father. So you would think He might agree with them. I'm really busy. When you get a little bit older, then we'll talk. But you're not of age. You're just a little kid. You can't benefit us. Come back later. It didn't say He appreciated what the disciples said. He didn't say that He was grateful. He didn't say that He was relieved. Mark says that Jesus was indignant when He learned of what the disciples were doing. And then He has this famous quote that we've read so many times before. He says, Let the little children come to Me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Now this is a really big statement, and we're not going to delve into this right now. We're going to talk about this in class. But there's some crazy things that are going to happen in the previous chapter, in Mark chapter 9. In fact, it's really, Mark 9 could be the blunder of the disciples. Over and over again, they're going to make mistake after mistake after mistake, and then they're going to pick up in 10 and do it all over again. But this whole idea of, of the kingdom and what's involved here is crucial to the context. But he goes on and he says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive 
the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. He wasn't saying that someday when they get older, they'll get to be a part of the kingdom. He's saying unless the older ones begin acting like the little ones, they'll never enter in. And it makes me wonder, what's the big idea about growing up? What is it that we long for so much that we think, oh, once I get older, all of these things will happen and I'll get to have a car and I'll get to go out to the movies and I'll get to have a job and I can make money and I can do what I want and I can go on vacations. And the more and more of the things we talk about, more and more involve the word I. You see, a little child recognizes that they can't do it on their own. And they want and they need people who will invest in their lives. Jesus did not avoid the little children. He invested in them. And so it begs the question, what does that mean for us? What is our role as parents, as grandparents, as aunts, as uncles, as, as parents who are now empty nesters, as widows, as a church? What do we do with the idea of allowing the little kids to come? Last Sunday, I wasn't here with you. I was at home recuperating. I'd gotten a, a, a virus on Thursday and it knocked me out and I thought, I'm, I'm done for. I'm, I won't be able to move for the next several weeks. You, you know, I, you feel like that. You get sick and you, you think, am I ever going to be well again? Like, what does it feel like to want to eat? And, and so I was starting to get a little bit better, but I didn't go to church uh, on, on Sunday I, I forsook the assembly. I apologize. Uh, but I still had church. Uh, Jennifer stayed home with me and took care of me and our youngest daughter was with us. Uh, and so we had church. Uh, it wasn't fancy church. Uh, we didn't dress up in our nice clothes. There weren't any purple pews. There were no announcements. There wasn't a microphone. We didn't stand up to say a prayer. We all sat on the couch. And on the little coffee table in front of us was a little plate of saltine crackers. I know, it wasn't the matzah crackers that, that we have here. And we had little Dixie cups. Not the cute little plastic clear ones, just the one that you have in your bathroom. And Jennifer had, had filled them up just a little so we'd have a little grape juice in each one of them. And then we did something we don't ever do during communion. We talked. We don't do that here, but we did it sitting on the couch. And we talked to Gracie. Because Gracie, like any other seven-year-old, is really curious. She wants to know what's the whole idea about the, the crackers and the juice that goes around. She doesn't call it the bread and the wine. She says, why do those, those get passed? And why do they get passed by me? 
In the eyes of a seven-year-old, this is what she really thinks. This is what she really thinks. How come in the middle of church, there's snack time, the adults are invited, but the kids can't have any? And it's a question she wants to know because she's curious. And so we sat there in church, at our church at our house, on the couch, and we started talking about this. And we, we picked up a cracker and we said, you know what, this cracker reminds us that God Himself came to this earth. Now when things go bad in a business and the boss sends somebody to fix it, he probably doesn't send his son unless his son is six foot four and carries a big stick. Because a boss is going to come into his business and he says, I'm going to fix things and I'm going to make sure you never mess up again. And God saw how terrible things were going and He sent His Son. But not to carry a big stick, but to die on one. And He didn't say, I'm going to come in and you will never ever make a mistake again or you'll regret it. He came in and said, I am bringing My Son to give you life so that every time you make a mistake, His blood will cover you. And we talked about the juice. And that's a really weird thing. Folks, you need to recognize this is a really weird thing to talk about outside of church. No one has ever said, oh, I have a stain on my shirt let me get some blood to wash this out. No one says, I have a dirty car, let me pour some blood on it because that's really good cleaner. We don't talk about this, we're so far removed. But back 2,000 years ago, blood was essential in the cleansing, not of cars or of clothes, but of sin. It would be that Passover lamb and the blood that was so vital to the Jews who believed that sins had to be atoned for. And God said, no more lambs. From now on, it's going to be the blood of My Son, Jesus. And that's why we have this juice. And I talked to Gracie. Gracie is a little bit like her daddy in her personality. She got her mom's good looks, but she got my personality. And I don't know how to describe that in a nice way, because I'm describing myself. But let's just say she's full of energy. And sometimes that energy spills over a little bit, like most seven-year-olds. And occasionally at church, I'm sorry, at school, well, maybe at church too, but at school, she'll get in trouble. You know what happens when you get in trouble at school? The teacher makes you go and write your name on the board. And so she has to go write. And I said, I want you to think about our sins kind of like that. But instead of just going up there and writing your name on the board and sitting down, you write not only your name, but you write the sin that you commit. Can you imagine, Gracie, having a marker 
and writing on the board, Gracie lied today. Gracie didn't listen to her teacher. Gracie ran when she wasn't supposed to. Gracie said something to someone that she shouldn't have said. And I said, this is why we take communion. Because we remember that that humongous board that is filled with all of the things that Gracie did that were wrong. And the board that's filled with all the things that Dad did wrong. And the board that's filled with all the things that Mom did wrong. Because of Jesus, God goes to the board with an eraser. And a marker. And He starts erasing not all the bad things you did. He keeps those up there. He just erases your name. And then Jesus comes in and He writes your name in your place. That was the sacrifice of Jesus. So we had communion. We had our church. We went throughout the rest of our day. And then it was time Sunday night to go to bed. And as, as we do, Jennifer and I take turns putting Gracie to bed and saying prayers with her. And Jennifer uh, prayed with her and, and they take turns as to who's praying. And Gracie wanted to pray that night. And in Gracie's prayer, she said, Thank you, God for erasing my name and putting Jesus' name there. And I thought, is there anything better in this world? Than having Jesus take the place of your child when it comes to their sin. And taking my place. And taking your place. You see, children can wear you out. God in His great sense of humor gave us three kids spread out over ten years. Jennifer and I were younger, smarter, and more energetic when we had white. By the time we got to Gracie, we were older. We have to go to bed earlier. We have to take two jugs of Metamucil, Metamucil or whatever just to make it through our days. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And on top of that, we realized insure is not enough. We need more than just a boost. We're clueless. We thought we were good parents. Then we had teenagers. And being, parent, being parents is hard. And it's, and it's not easy. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. This church, we don't see kids as a nuisance. They're not a bother. They're not a distraction. We don't leverage children to find a way to get their parents into church. We want to follow the example of Jesus. 
and say, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For that reason, I want to spend the last two or three minutes letting you know of some things that are taking place here over the next several months. For as long as I've been here, every Christmas time there has been a Christmas tree not a holiday tree or whatever they call it, PC now. We have a Christmas tree out. And for the last at least seven years and beyond that, we have have asked people to take names of children so that they could pull off, uh, and they would, those names came from the New Mexico children's, Christian children's home of Portales, and we would buy gifts for all of those kids. Well, there was a conversation that several of our elders had with the New Mexico Christian Children's Home just a few months ago. And in that, we learned something that we really hadn't thought of before. And, and we were talking about going to have another Christmas party or them coming here. And one of the things that we learned is that during the month of December, there's between seven and eight churches who throw a party for those children. In addition, there's a, uh, a police group that does something. There's a motorcycle group. So those kids have somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 parties during December just for Christmas. And they're getting gifts, and it's wonderful, and they're just nearly overwhelmed. Is there too much of a good thing? So in that conversation, the question was asked, what can Taylor Street do to best serve the New Mexico Christian Children's Home and the kids who are there. And they said, we get lots of stuff at Christmas, but honestly, we need help during back to school. Would you consider... Their recommendation was... They didn't force it. They didn't say, here's what you have to do. They didn't say, don't do a Christmas party. They said, here's one way that would really help us. Sometime in August... Come down here like you normally do, but instead of bringing lots of gifts and toys that we would get at Christmas time, we would love for you to help us out as we have a back to school drive. And that would really help us out. It would help our kids out. And we said, you know what, if that's going to help you guys out, that will be great. Uh, also, because that's not until August, we're also going to invite them down sometime in late January, 25th and 26th. We're going to meet and go to the core with them. We're going to invite our cottage to come and worship with us. That's something that you can look forward to as well. On a completely different front, we realized that there was another opportunity that was made available to us. Our folks over at the clothing room who help serve and lead there, John Trammell and Von Ditto, have, have uh, recognized that there are some kids who live in our community who don't get eight or ten different Christmases. Some of them may not even get one. And so what they have decided to do is that all of our kids who are involved in our clothing room program on the third Saturday of the month, we're going to bless them with a set of of new clothes. Uh, And so that will give them an opportunity to get some socks uh, and some underwear and a nice clean pair of jeans. And so you do see the Christmas trees out there. So how this is going to work is you can go there and grab 
a tag off the tree, and it'll have an amount on there. You can give, we have $5 or $25 or $50. Honestly, you can grab any amount that you want, and if you want to put in that amount, if you want to put in less or you want to put in more, you can do that. Uh, we're going to have a box back there at the Welcome Center that you can go out there and you can put money in. We're going to be doing that for the next two weeks. And the funds collected, 100% of the funds collected will go to providing a set of new clothes or a, a, a gift card. We're still working on the details of how we can bless the kids who come there. We're not going to turn the kids away. We're not going to say you're not important. We're not going to say you can't invest in us, so we're not going to invest in you. We want to help reach those kids. And then on December 14th, we're going to bring all those kids together and we're going to have a devotional and we're going to talk about the love of God and then we're going to bless them with a small gift of clothes or a card so that they know that there's a God who loves them. And they can see that through a small group of followers who want to be like Jesus and welcome children in. And so we hope you will join us as we look to help out kids in our community and show them that they are loved and that they are welcome and that God Himself chose to die for them. And that's why we can celebrate this holiday season because of what He's done for us. If there's any way that we can help you this morning, if we can pray for you, lift you up in prayer, uh, if you uh, want to know more about Jesus or to be a part of this family, we want to encourage you to come now as we stand and sing this morning.